When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit, It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to episode 220 of the Barcelona Podcast, home to the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I am joined today by Rafa Aldamui and Julio Bordas from Mesque Un Podcast. It's a Spanish-language podcast, also talking all things Barcelona. So welcome, gentlemen, to the Barcelona Podcast. Thank you very much for having us here, Dan. Um, we really appreciate it. Like you said, we are a uh, Spanish-speaking uh, podcast focused on FC Barcelona, like you said. So once again, thank you very much. I'm going to, I tend to talk a lot. So I honestly, I don't want to, Julio, go ahead then. No, we'll keep you in check. <laughs> well, I say welcome to them because this is our show, but the way this is going to work is you will have the first half of our conversation now here on our feed, the Barcelona podcast. And then you can pop over to their podcast feed. That's again, Mesque Un Podcast for part two of this conversation. So where we're going to start is on this side of things, we are talking the vote of no confidence. But first today, I do want to mention to you guys, 
The Barca Femini, 6-0 winners today over Sevilla in the semifinals of the Copa del Arena. Melanie Serrano also scored an Olimpico. So, Rafa Julio, I can ask either of you, have you ever scored an Olimpico? Uh, you will be disappointed. Uh, my main sport is basketball, so <laughs> not, not a football player. Um, honestly, I not even in FIFA. So <laughs> I, t- what they can do is, is incredible. And um, I, honestly, I love the fact that Barcelona is the way it is. So it's like multi-sports. And um, now we got a, uh, a woman. Well, we've had a woman's team that is one of the best in the world. So every time we get to win something, no matter what sport, what sex, I love it. It's incredible. Yeah, and win something, certainly. The Barca Femini, yeah, there's some title contention with Atletico Madrid through the years, and Real Madrid might be up and coming depending on the amount of funds put there. But when it comes to Spanish football, Barcelona Femini is on top at the moment. We'll just see how long they can go with the Champions League. Also, have to mention that getting to the final of the Copa del Arena, if they do win that, it would be technically the first Spanish treble as they did win the league before everything, well, they never finished it, but they were awarded the league title before everything was shut down and then winning the Copa del Arena. And they also won the first edition of the Spanish Super Cup. That also happened, I believe, prior to the break or maybe it was the first match after the COVID pandemic break. So it would technically be the first Spanish triple, if you will. But we're going to move on, though, because while the Barca family do fill us with some joy, the unfortunate thing we're talking about today is... I guess maybe it is another thing to celebrate, but it is a vote of no confidence against Bartomeu and the current Barca board. So as of early yesterday, more than 19,380 signatures were approved by the club, which is more than the required 16,521 required for the motion to be successful. Now, next up is the referendum on Bartomeu. If two thirds of the voters that vote want him out, Bartomeu is gone. Now, the way, guys, I see this playing out is five different ways. One, Bartomeu resigns. Two, the referendum goes forward and Bartomeu is voted out. Three, this process is bogged down by legal bureaucracy that is more than my pay grade to understand, honestly, and Bartomeu pretty much waits out any action against him. Four, the referendum goes forward and Bartomeu is not voted out. This, I think, being the least likely way. Uh, yeah, I just don't think that, that version is going to happen. And then the current board finds a way to fight the motion and get it shut down, as reports earlier today were that the board accused the, the motion of fraud, that there were irregularities in the signatures with the Spanish Guardiola Seville, uh, Seville and they kind of just tossed that out. Some are saying that this is because he's being investigated by the local Catalan police. That's why he went to the national police force, though Lacerre journalist Seek Rodriguez has said that the bureau denied it on a 3-2 vote. So of all those five outcomes, and you can kind of just give me your own if you didn't remember all the five outcomes I laid out there in the order, but let me know if I missed one as well. How do you think Bartomeu finishes his time at this club and when? Go ahead, Julio. No, you go ahead. I think that yeah. with the Moción de Censura, I think that, that that's more down your, your alley. Well, to be fair, honestly, to answer your question, I think it's going to go down to a vote. But due to the... Honestly, I don't know if if you read Twitter and whatnot, you would think that, oh, 100% he's out. They're going to get... That, we got to remind people that they, uh, during the voting process, he has... I mean, it has to reach 66% or more in order for Bartomeu to be to resign. Because in 2008, Laporta also faced a vote of no confidence. It went to a vote. He lost by 60%, but because it didn't get to 66 he got to stay. So one thing that I think it's very... That we got to take into account is that the socio, the soci... It, it's usually an older person 
And obviously with COVID, it'll be interesting to see if if and how they go to vote. But Twitter, Barcelona Twitter is not the general socio. So you might see or read something on Twitter and think like, oh, there's oh Bartomeu's out. He's gonna lose by like 98%. But that doesn't necessarily will translate exactly like that. But I do think that at the end, he if it goes down to a vote, if he doesn't resign before, I think this will be the first time in Barcelona history that a vote of no confidence will go through and the president will go down. Yeah, but let me flip that on you, Rafa, that wouldn't then with the socios who would want him to stay, right? Don't you think mm. the pandemic, we saw the outpouring of people that gave signatures for this vote of enough confidence. So my thinking would be that it would actually keep those who are kind of on the fence and are considering, I mean, how many people can you actually get out to save him, if you will, where if you're going to vote during a pandemic, more likely you're taking your health and, and that risk to go out and vote to get him removed. My idea would be that those who actually want him to stay are going to be more passive and they're going to choose this time not to vote. So my thinking would be that, I I mean, because they got enough signatures, and again, we've seen the old kit man. Apparently, there is rumors. Jordi Ferrer said today that it was apparently one of the players in the in the dressing room, their brother. So, I mean, we can also narrow it down there. <laughs> There's only so many brothers of players that would sign that. So, I mean, I, I think that we're at a point where... As far as that vote, if it is valid and if it winds up happening, I think that two-thirds is actually a reasonable number here. Because again, Laporta was coming on, I mean, when when he had that vote of no confidence against him as well, you think that that was even just as Pep Guardiola was about to be coming in. And yes, they had some down scenes with, with Rijkaard, but he also still had a Champions League in the trophy case. Now, Bartomeu does too, but 2015 is now a lifetime ago. I mean, just two weeks ago is a lifetime ago. Messi tried to leave the club less than two months ago. So I think everything is leading to this point where against Laporta, you had maybe three to 10 reasons why socios would say, yeah, I, I, I'm tired of the time. And, and I had a lot to do with the losing at the moment. But I think for Kool-Aid, they're just sitting at home and socios they are just sitting at home waiting for this moment to say, okay, well, I didn't care so much about the social media thing. But I mean, obviously, people like us who host podcasts do we care about the i3 ventures and all those things. But once it was messy leaving, I think that is where the stone was cast. You, you can't really bring it back. Once you skip the stone, you can't bring it back up the river, if you will. Yeah, no, I agree with that point. You would think that the people that want him out will be more motivated to go out and vote. And then the fact that elections are scheduled for March, I believe, that will probably give the, the socios that are in favor of him staying, you know, not a lot of reason to go out, right? Because at the end of the day, he's still going to go out uh, fairly soon. And yeah. that's another thing, the practical standpoint, right? So we will see the motivation behind people and see if they would rather wait or if they have that that, that emotion brings them to to vote, right? And on the other thing is that we were talking about Laporta. We also, we didn't mention Nunez, but this is not the first time. And in that sense, I think that this time is the, the, when the most amount of signatures have been recorded, right? So I think that this time around Bartomeu, is, is in, he's in trouble, definitely. There's more, you, you can feel the tension. You can feel that this time around, he might be the first one to go down. And it seems like resigning isn't going to be the thing. Vice President Jordi Coronera said yesterday, we are not talking about stepping down. In fact, we are more united around Bartomeu than ever. There are 19,000 people who have signed for the motion, but there are also 90,000 who have not done so. I mean, that's an unsurprising statement made from the vice president, considering that the board members that have been resigning over the last year at different times over different scandals, 
the ones remaining are the ones that aren't going to leave now. They're the ones who were there, not necessarily by Bartomeu's side. I think fans also, those on the internet, kind of overplay this idea that these aren't just colleagues. These aren't just people that that work together. You know, they these are not they're not some evil cadre of of, of you know people with cauldrons and and making their potions and right they're not this evil task force of 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 people that would die together these are just i mean in many cases business colleagues is what they are that make up this barca board now jordi ferrer is asking for the vote of no confidence to coincide with el clasico which isn't necessarily a bad idea because you think that even though spain and again covid is at the center of our minds when we speak about this where cases in spain and all over we're all in the u.s so cases are going up almost all over in Europe, especially in Spain. Now uh, in Madrid, they've been having curfews again. They've been cracking down once more. So you do consider that affecting people, but having it on El Clasico would be the time when you would think that being in just over two weeks time. So that would be the moment that you think people would come out of their homes for this. Now the board of directors must call a referendum in no less than 10 days, but not more than 20 days. So that's why El Clasico fits perfectly in that little window there. And I would say that uh, it sounds uh, very knee-jerk, but no matter how Barca and Coleman do in El Clasico, I think, again, the, the rap sheet against Bartomeu is already set, where, I mean, I think El Clasico is going to be tough anyway, but if all that went down, there would be a group made up of those who put forth the motion to take over the club and have elections as soon as possible, which could potentially be sometime in November, where a new president would be elected. Now, I have to ask, though, guys, do you think if a president is put in place, let's say in November, let's say that... I again, I'm almost throwing out that he's going to resign. The board has been pretty adamant in the last 48 hours that they are not planning on resigning. So let's say that the referendum is legal and it goes forward and uh, Bartomeu and this board get voted out and then a new presidential election is held for November. Do you think that things are really going to be that much different from November to March? Honestly, the thing is, I get the whole point of this. You want to get Bartomeu out as soon as possible in the end there were going to be like you said elections in march anyway but the quicker you can get him out the better for the club i i I totally agree with that but at the end of the day i don't know specifically for the winter transfer window if i've read some reports that obviously the um, they want to if they do end up getting voted out, they want to leave at least two players, quote unquote, like ready to go to be signed during that uh, transfer window, which is Eddie Garcia and Memphis Depay. And then I don't know, with the timeframes, I'm a little bit confused right now because I don't know technically if the new president is, let's say, Victor Font, for example, who looks like, will probably be the new one. Yeah, for example, good example. <laughs> if we bought, there's been rumors that as soon if the vote of no confidence ends up going through, then that moment, La Porta would come out of the shadows and announce that he would be running too. So we don't know, but whoever ends up winning, if that's the case, I don't know if technically they would assume... They be they would have powers by that window, and then or if that would be la junta gestora, how how you say it in Spanish. So I don't know technically, but we do have a case of like back in twenty when we signed Nada Turan, that was technically la junta gestora, but we know that Bartomeu was behind that signing. So I know it's it's tricky, and I I 
don't know how much it would change for this season, this transfer window, but I do agree that the quicker, the sooner, the better, because that way, whoever gets in, Font, Laporta, who, <laughs> Benedito, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, they could plan a like better next season because if the elections end up being in March, then they're focused on the elections and then it's March, May. Like The, the more time they have, the better for the club, I think. Yeah, Julio, I'm going to get your answer after we take this little break. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. And last time I did this ad, I mentioned to everybody that I did spill some Chipotle on myself when I ordered it a few weeks ago when I was at work. And now, this time around, recently, my wife and I ordered it together to the house at home. DoorDash still got it to us at the same amount of time in the same wonderful food is all ready, prepared, nothing spilling out of the bag. And my wife made sure, hey, we were going to make sure we use a plate and we're going to do this the right way. So I have to say, nothing about DoorDash, just that for an update for me, that I was much better and my pants thank not only DoorDash for keep everything nice and tidy in the bag and get it delivered on time and hot and ready to eat, but also that I have done my due diligence and a little bit safer when I get my food from DoorDash. So many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too, though. It's not just those chains. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The wait is finally over. Football is back. That's American football for all you at home. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Julio, what do you think? Sure. So, Rafa's talking like in a practical standpoint, right? So, whoever is going to come in, it would be better for them to come in as quick as possible to organize and set things up for the next season, right? And, and that's okay. But I think that in a symbolic manner, it would also be good for the socio to say, hey, you didn't do things right. You don't represent our values. We don't want you anymore. And we're taking control over the club. So I think that you have to weigh those things out. And if from a, again, from a practical standpoint, going back to Rafa's point, if it won't hurt the, the sporting side, I, I think you know, the, the sooner the better. Well, yeah, and I think you already mentioned Memphis Depay, and I think that's where we're going to transition here a little bit to talking about transfers, because obviously a new board, you want to think it won't affect the transfer of Eric Garcia. I mean, in particular, because he's a return of a former La Masia captain, and you'd think that whether it is Victor Font, it seems like whoever it may be is going to be very much, whether it's Laporta or Font, we're going to say it's one that gets back to the Catalan roots of the club. I, I think you're going to get a president who kind of does have a more as, and this is, again, is not a knock on, I guess it could be a little knock, but I don't know it's so much a knock on Bartomeu, but merely he was in charge of the club as Barcelona continued to become the global commercial entity that it has over the last 10 years. 
Uh, and you could even say the 21st century, they continue to do a lot of winning. So Bartomeu, whether he had a hand in it or not, uh, Barcelona has become much more of a, a, a global franchise in the last 10, 10 years or so. And again, even going back to the time of Nunez, where Nunez, not much news went past the even the halls of Spain or Europe. You know what I mean? We're not getting too far out of the European news cycle. Now, the, the minute that a Barcelona player sneezes, people in Australia and the USA and, and India and Nigeria, everybody knows about it. So it's just a different world that this president is going to be taking over in. So it's one, though, that I think no matter who it is, Eric Garcia would be welcome. And I also noticed today that he was not named to Man City's Champions League squad list. So it seems like no matter what, he has said that he's going to leave, that he's either leaving for free. But I believe because he could leave for free in the summer transfer window, he should be able to sign his contract in January. So that would make a lot of sense why Man City wouldn't put him on the uh, Champions League. I know people upset with it, saying that they were they were kind of just um, basically nudging him out or letting him know that he wasn't welcome. But for me, it says that that means Barcelona could potentially use him then and, and put him on their Champions League squad list. Now, we haven't seen Lyon's, and I think that's actually the biggest question I have for the Barcelona-Dubai issue, where the transfer of Dubai... It went through for Barcelona and Dubai, but Spanish football rejected it because Barcelona's salary requirements did not comply, which obviously is not the most unsurprising thing I don't think, I mean, I think any of us have ever heard. But then moving forward with Dubai, that becomes the big question that if Lyon names him to their their Champions League list, which Lyon president uh, Jean-Michel Alas has said that, he's, that Memphis is coming in January to Barcelona. And uh, sorry, rather, I am actually going to correct myself here with the Champions League thing. Fortunately for Barca, Ren and Marseille joined PSG in the Champions League. So Dubai, in theory, would still have UCL eligibility come January, unlike Coutinho in that first year where Coutinho could not feature in the Champions League because he was with Liverpool. So for Dubai, I'm almost going to throw that idea out about the Champions League that because he's going to be able to play for Barca in Champions League across all competitions, do you think regardless of the board that they go through with this Memphis Dubai? I mean, almost are we at a point where it's a gentleman's agreement where both clubs and the player have all agreed that he's going to be a Barcelona player no matter what? So let me interject here because I, I wanted to ask, didn't that rule change? Didn't the rule change to, to be now that if you play the group stage with the team, you can play the knockout stage with another team? Oh, you might be right about that. Yeah, so that yeah. wouldn't even matter here. Is that all right, Rafa? Yeah, I, th I think it did. I think it did. I'll take, two, I'll take then, two L's on that then. <laughs> all right. Even then, I think way back, I'm like talking about like, oh, eight, oh, nine. I remember Madrid had this drama and then it changed after that. That they signed Huntelar and um, uh, it was La Sana de Arra, I think, and they could only um, register one of them. Mm. And then, obviously, a few years later, I think it changed. Um, I know it's, it's bureaucracy it, and whatnot. It, yeah, that we 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 have to check on that, but that that's beside the point. In, in terms of 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 those two players, that's something that Rafa and I we we constantly talk about uh, off air, right? Because we don't think that those two players are would make uh, such a big difference, right? So I think that us uh, Barcelona fans, like, we get excited every time we see these names uh, printed and in the news and in the Barcelona papers, right? But I don't think that even if they're eligible to play come January, right? Because they wouldn't, uh, Man City and Leon, they wouldn't have a lot of leverage, right? So it's a possibility that they might join in January. I don't think that those two players will make such a, a big difference. So... For, at least for myself, I'm not that excited for, for that. It, it would help. It would make us deeper, and that would definitely help. But, you know, I, I don't think that either of those players will make it into the starting 11. So, 
I, I agree with Julio in the fact that if we do end up signing them and we are able to register them in the Champions League for the round of 16 and hopefully onward until the finals, um, I think they would be helping the depth of the team and the La Liga, Copa del Rey if needed. And then obviously if last case scenario, the Champions League, like with Eddie, Eddie Garcia, let's, let's be honest, he would be coming in as the fourth center back mm -hmm. or third, like whatever. Araujo has been playing well. So you could right. say that as of right now, Araujo is the third center back. So he would be coming in as the fourth one. So I don't think in the Champions League, unless hopefully not, Piqué, Lenglet, and Araujo are injured, suspended, for whatever that might be. Depay, that's the one that I've seen from what we've heard from Kuman. He's been really like, he wants Depay. And the thing with Depay is that I think he's a really good player. I think if we consider like he could be a really good squad player, rotation, and whatnot. But the whole point, and you guys feel free to correct me, Not if I'm wrong, but like if you disagree. But we gave away Luis Suarez because we didn't want him anymore. We wanted to like rejuvenate the squad. We needed something else. But we, it's not like we let him go and we brought in Lautaro or Haaland from Dortmund. We didn't bring anybody. So Depay, if he comes in, again, I don't see to me Memphis Depay is not a real number nine. To me, a number nine is Haaland. A Benzema, Harry Kane, players like that. Dubai, yeah, you could play him in that number nine role, but to me, he's not a classical number nine. So at the end of the day, I do respect Kuman, and I, I tend to be that way. Like, hey, I'm not, I'm not the coach. If the coach wants him, we bring him in, and he doesn't end up playing, or he plays plays badly. Then at the end of the day, that's going to be Kuman's fault. So we got to respect that. He's going to die by his decisions. And I, I, I'm like that. If Hey, if you want him, okay, we're going to bring him in. And then if he doesn't play well, that's on you. So to me, the buy is tricky because then, by, by, I know I'm extending here a little bit, but it's kind of, I'm like, it's uh, letting it all out. <laughs> we wanted to send Dembele out. And to me, the buy also is injured a lot. So, If we were going to send Dembele out and sell him after we bought him for 115 million fixed plus variables, then you would think that would be to fund a big number nine. Again, a Harry Kane, a Haaland, the likes of those players, not to bring in Memphis Depay with all due respect. So that's that's what I don't get. I do respect Kuman, and if he wants him and we bring him in, then that's his decision. But I would say if we want to get rid of Dembele with all the pros that he could still bring because he's so young, then to me, I would be satisfied. Okay, we sold Dembele for 50-60, but we brought in Haaland from Dortmund. Well, I think the whole idea that Memphis Depay's contract is up, and that's why he's going to be able to sign for Barca at the figure that he will in January, that's what makes it so worrisome, though, because the minute he, he shows up, Let's say that, yeah, Victor Font, that the way things would work, let's say Victor Font is, wins the election, and these are hypotheticals, wins the election, or even Laporta wins the election in November, and then Coleman winds up losing seven or eight matches, and Barcelona is sitting at sixth or seventh or eighth in the table, right? So you know that Coleman, at that point, is a, a sitting duck. 
But in January, Memphis Dubai shows up and no player who is basically left their previous club on what would be in January, I guess a pre-contract for a free transfer in in the summer, they're not going to sign for one or two years, especially he's still in his 20s. He's late late 20s. So he's going to sign for four to five years. And now you have another problem. You have another financial, you're going to have another big salary. You're going to have a transfer that won't make any sense if you have an incoming president who might be replacing that manager anyway at the first sign, because you have to think that when a board brings in their guy, obviously they have a much longer leash than Komen, who wasn't even Bartomeu's guy. I mean, that was Bartomeu's second choice on the second occasion <laughs> after Kike Setien was the third choice that first time around. And then Komen winds up being, I guess, first choice on the second time around after he would have been the second choice himself, if that makes any sense. So uh, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right too about the point about the number nine, that I know now we feel like we're waiting an entire season for a proper number nine. People can argue on the internet about Lataro Martinez or Holland and pick your camp, pick who you want. But Rafa, you're absolutely right that a number nine has to be that number nine. That is what Barcelona is going to be missing. They're going to be with or without Messi. I mean, we know this is his final season as well. So moving forward, and I'm going to plug the half of your guys' show that I'm actually going to do, because I've done it on our show before, that I'm going to be running down basically how Barcelona can get to enough goals to win the league. And that question next season when Messi is gone completely changes because now, now you're erasing the yearly goals that he basically guarantees. I know he's only scored one on a penalty, but he's Messi. He's going to score. There's going to be a two in front of that number most likely this season. So you just know that the goals are going to be necessary. And you're right. From the point in Memphis Dubai, he can do a lot of things for you. And this season... Honestly, with the way Griezmann is playing, it's not a hot take yet because we're still in October. He just scored with the France team, if you were watching that. So I do have a little bit of faith that Coleman can maybe figure out what's puzzling about Antoine Griezmann and get him operating a little bit better. But if we have this first three matches of Griezmann and that's a Griezmann that's playing in a Champions League round of 16 or a round of eight, then Memphis Dubai isn't a squad player. Then you have to put Memphis Dubai in a position to succeed in place of Griezmann because Griezmann isn't going to be in such a cataclysmic moment at that time that he, he's not going to be trusted in the Champions League. So, I mean, that's almost worst case scenario where you sign a player for four years past when Coleman will be around at the Camp No, and you have Antoine Griezmann who, I mean, I mean, Frances and I argue this all the time that at this point, he's playing because he's a price tag. I mean, if Antoine Griezmann was bought for 30 or 40 million, he'd be on the bench obviously already. I try to understand, I mean, I try to say it in a way that, you know, they, they like to overlap on the left side and they like to put, uh, make it a strong left side of the pitch and be more defensive on the right side. But as far as production, Griezmann's going to have to score. He's going to have to score soon or Memphis Dubai is going to make a lot more sense. And I think that's going to get steam that, as you mentioned, Rafa, is going to make things worrisome because in the summertime, a club that's already pretty much out of money is going to open up their pockets and Bruce Dortmund's going to go, hey, can we have 130 million euros for, for Holland, please? And Barcelona's going to go, well, we've got uh, 15 million euros and a new president, so I can give you a different kind of handshake if that's what you want. And that's what they're going to have. I mean, same thing for Inter Milan. They have new managers. There's no reason Inter Milan, who might win the first Scudetto that any team has won uh, in Serie A since Juventus started all their winning now, what, a decade ago. So Inter Milan, this could be a new era for for them in Italy. So I, they're going to have no incentive to sell Latar Martinez next summer either. There's no reason that Barcelona is just going to be able to bring them in and think that's the way that things are going to work. Yeah, I agree with all those points. And the other thing that we're not considering as well is that with the new formation that Kuman is trying to to put together, right, which I believe it has worked with the players that we have in the age of Busquets, who have Frankie alongside him, right? Messi has been filling out that nine number nine role, right? So you bring uh, the pie, you bring a number nine. Are you going to put then Messi in the Coutinho role and take Coutinho out? 
if, as you say, if Griezmann doesn't uh, contribute in, in the near future, do you take him out and then put um, Messi a, a little bit wider and then put um, Debye in the number nine role? Or, you know, if you bring another player, like a number nine, in, the, in this case, in Debye's case, that creates a whole chain effect that would disrupt, disrupt what we have working right now. So I think that it's a complicated puzzle and, I, and I'm glad that I'm not on Kuman's shoes because again, that would change everything that he's been building up to this point. Yeah, I think it's a really good point because Messi is defensively, this team is set with him as the false nine where he, as I've said many times, where his job right now is just a shade to the flanks. And then those wingers, be it Fatih on the other side, Griezmann, they press and Barcelona has been pretty good energy-wise pressing on those flanks as Messi just shades to the wingbacks, I mean, rather to the opposition wingbacks. And so if you change that around and put Messi on that right side, that's a great fear, right? That no offense to Gino Dest, who, I mean, I love what he's going to be doing offensively this year. Again, I'm very excited about it. But as far as even Sergio Roberto, that, I mean, you don't have a defensive right back who's going to be able to cover for Messi on the right side plus whoever is the false nine. No matter what system it is, Messi is not going to be able to defend in the way that the job that Griezmann is being asked to do on the right wing is not the one that Messi fulfills. So he would really have to tinker and change everything around. And it seems to me that you're absolutely right, Julio, as well, that Memphis Dubai, I think he would fit in or he would basically supplement Antoine Griezmann on the right wing. That would be his position. That's why where he'd be signed, even though... For Lyon, he plays largely on the left wing or as a false nine. Those are the two spots he occupies. But you look at Ansu Fati and look at Messi, and those are already occupied at Barcelona at the moment. So I think it does create, as you said, a lot more problems uh, unless you just have him on that right wing and a natural spot for him. And you're going to ask him to do basically the same job you're asking Antoine Griezmann. So either get the best out of Griezmann or, yeah, I don't know. I think Memphis Depay at the moment is, I, we all agree. So I don't know how much more there is to say about, but <laughs> I think he's uh, almost unnecessary. But in the same way that it seems that the board and Coleman, they're hell-bent on getting him. So I think every time we've seen that this board and, I mean, Coleman's strong-headed, he's probably asking for him every day that when this board and uh, a manager that they trust, I you know, quotes on trust, if they ask for a player, that's usually the player that winds up after a long and obnoxious and annoying saga. That's the player that winds up holding up the jersey at the end of the day. Yeah, it'll be super interesting to see how it unfolds because, again, I think we are all agreeing in the fact that we do know that Kuman really, really wants to buy, but there's also a motion de censura going on, and if we end up seeing Bartomeu get sacked, and then we have presidential elections, and then whoever wins might be like, yeah, Kuman, you were promised that under Bartomeu, not under me. Um, I don't know how the season is going to turn out, and if it turns out for the bad, you're not going to stay. I'm going to bring in Xavi. So I don't want to promise you something that I I don't want. Like, I didn't promise you that. So at the end of the day, it'll be... Interesting to see how that tug of war goes if Bartomeu ends up getting the boot. But I completely agree. Like as of right now, next season we we can talk if there's no Messi, which as of right now looks like there will be. And obviously we would need to bring in number nine that scores goal, <clears throat> Halan. But if that doesn't happen right now, I think we have to live and die with Messi as our number nine mm -hmm. because he Julio we we like Julio and I talk a lot on WhatsApp and we've discussed this before. Messi, it's basically we know Messi is the only one that has the right to not defend. So you leave them farthest up the pitch and then you have everybody else run. 
if you put Messi as a right winger or as the in the number ten role, then it kind of doesn't work like that because then you're asking the number nine to drop even farther to defend to make up for Messi not running. So right now, as the team is constructed, honestly, just have Messi up top. Hey, run when you want to. If you don't want to, don't run. But then the rest of the team, the shape of the team, it's good. You got everybody else and then Messi roaming around and running when he wants to. Because if you put Messi a little bit further back or on the wing, then I think defensively the team will suffer a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, I do actually push back a little bit on the the Messi defending point because I've noticed so far this season that the game plan is to have Messi defend conservatively. Now, we did see with that press, and I think Luis Suarez actually got a pretty bad rap on the number of pressures that he would have. And I know it's just advanced metrics and all those things, but Suarez actually defended more than we think he did. But because he was defending next to Messi, that's when things look so bad that they together just did not have it work out because neither of them really had the legs to be able to press. Again, the advanced metrics said they were trying, but the numbers and the eye test told us that the close down speed just wasn't what it was you know, back in 2015 or 14. And so it made it look worse. So with Suarez out of the picture defensively, it, to me, it's, it has been a breath of fresh air because, I mean, I think for the last 20 or 30 minutes, and I guess this is the final question we'll add on, we'll, we'll ask on our half, and then we'll talk about it and continue the conversation on Messi and podcast. But as far as Messi goes, I'm really only worried about him defensively because he is defending in this system. He has the energy. You know that Messi always has desire when he steps on the pitch. But it's that last 20 or 30 minutes that in particular, by putting on, and we're trying to see that Trincao and Pedri have been the answer in the 70th minute. And Coleman has been willing, even against Sevilla, where they could have easily lost those two points as well as they could have gained those two points by putting on uh, Trincao and and Pedri. And I, I was saying on another show I was on this week that they had, he put on Sergino Dest for his Camp New debut at 19 years old on the left, at the left back spot. And Coleman had, Pedri, 17-year-old Pedri, Pedri, who's going to be 18 in November, he put him in front of him on the left wing. Instead of the Coutinho spot where Pedri had been for the first two matches, he puts him in front of the 19-year-old making his Barca debut. So you want to talk about Brave? That was my big criticism of Valverde, and I think everyone's, of Valverde and Setien, that they were completely stripped of any bravery. That was a great frustration. And if anything, so far through three matches, I cannot say that Coleman has not been brave. And if you're going to put a 17-19-year-old on one side to close out a match against Sevilla a side that looks ready to contend for the legal title with you, who could finish top three or top four, then I think my hat goes off to, to Coleman. But that also says that at the end of matches with Pedri and Trincao, uh, not seeing them as starters, which I think is a fair thing. Trincao probably closer to being a starter than Pedri. Obviously, Pedri gets, again, 17 years old. But as far as those two being those wild cards to add to the end of games, as Dembele probably will be, as, I mean, unless Coleman completely freezes him out, he's going to have to be some kind of playmaker coming off the bench late. So with Coleman willing to make it attract me in the end of these games, that is where Messi's defense actually does worry me. Because when you have constant transitions and teams that are going to have the speed to cut you out on a counterattack from the first minute to the 90th minute, that is where Barcelona is going to be very, very, very susceptible. And I think, again, this is probably a good place to leave it. I'll give you both Julio and Rafa one final word here about this topic, but we are going to continue to talk about particularly the maybe see the problems in defense on your half of the show. But if you guys just want to give me one final point there, then, then we'll switch things over. Honestly, I it's not something that I had thought about Messi in that specific part of a match. But now that you brought it up, I honestly, I agree that it could be a problem 
But at the same time, it could end us hurting us defensively. But I think offensively, whoever comes in, Pedri, Trincao, or even Dembele, which I think Kuma now will have to get back. And I like you. Let's be real. You bring in Dembele in the 70th minute with the speed that he has, and if it's if it's a broken match, like you said, just back and forth, back and forth. Let's be honest, with Messi and Dembele, and let's say Ansu Fati on the left wing, if it comes to trading blows, more often than not, Barcelona are going to be the one that delivers the knockout punch when you got those kind of players. Yeah, we could end up conceding, but there's a pretty good chance that if we got Coutinho, Messi, Dembele, and Ansu Fati, we're probably going to outdo the other opponent unless it's a big team like Bayern who can literally go toe-to-toe, or sadly, as we saw in the last Champions League, can literally knock us out. So I do think that it could be a problem, but now with this squad, with the young players that we have, the speed that we have, I think if that ends up becoming the norm, we could deal with it, with the young players and speed that we got, honestly. Yeah, and I just wanted to add that I'm glad that you said that Suarez, he looked bad alongside Messi, right? Because I think that people are a little bit unfair with him. I think that he tried to pressure a bit more than, than people give him credit for. So so I'm glad that I'm not alone in that camp because in our podcast, I'm always outnumbered, right? Uh, and also uh, with regards to Pedri, like on the ball, I haven't seen anything from him. Again, you were you mentioned his age like three times. We are aware of how young he is, and we know the potential that he has when when he's on the ball, right? But still, I haven't seen anything uh, magical from him at this point. But I have been so impressed with the his runs on the flank, and even when he plays in that number ten role, sometimes you're just looking at a broken play, and he's right in the middle of it, making a tackle, right? So I really appreciate his effort, and I'm looking forward to him developing his game on the other side of the of the pitch, and 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 I I, I think that. With his attitude, uh, he's a very interesting player. Yeah, the talent is there, and certainly he's going to take his lumps. Well, I hope we took our lumps on this half and that the second half of this show is even better. Again, that's going to be on the Mesquite Un podcast feed. So for our end, for the Barcelona podcast listeners, again, I hope you do check out part two of this. But if this is all you had, you know where to find us. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at HealthTeamD13 for me. They're at Mesquite Un podcast. And on Instagram, I'm at the Barcelona Pod as well. Our closed Facebook group, Patreon, all the normal listeners know where to find us on YouTube as well, the Barcelona Podcast. So thanks so much for listening to this half of the Barcelona podcast, Mescaun podcast collaboration, if you will. So until next time, we're going to talk to you soon and force the Barca.